0: This is part four of our focus on 1 Thessalonians 5:23 to 28, and I hope the effect of it will be that you understand more fully why I pray so often in these labs, and that you will be encouraged to pray much, and that your confidence in praying will grow. Brothers, pray for us. What a simple, profound, indeed isolated plea to the church. Pray for us. Picture the the greatest missionary who ever was, the greatest theologian who ever was, the man who seemed to have so much power and insight, pleaded to ordinary Christians to pray for him. Father, strengthen our hearts to pray, incline our hearts to pray. Help us not to be skeptical about prayer, but to be encouraged by your word here, to pour ourselves out in prayer for your word to run and triumph. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And while you have that great confidence that you will be kept because of the faithfulness of God to his call on your life, pray. Brothers, pray for us. And he doesn't say any more about it. He doesn't tell him what to pray for here. Why might that be? I think of two reasons why he might have just left it like that. One is, he expects this entire letter, five chapters, to be the agenda for prayer. I think we should pray the Bible. Pray sentence after sentence. Turn the Bible into our prayers. The second reason, I think, is probably because he told them while he was with them what he wanted them to pray for. He did mention it in numerous other places, so let's spend the rest of our time just glancing at what Paul wanted prayer for. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run and be glorified. That's a picture of a race and a victory, right? Run and get the, the crown, the wreath at the end that you are standing at the top of the podium and you won the race. That's what I want the Word to do. I want it to win and triumph as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. So let's just stay with this for a moment. As happened among you, remember? Chapter 2, verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, not as the word of man, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So this word went to work and it won them. It made them believers and it began to work holiness in their lives. So he's saying, pray for us. And in Second Thessalonians saying, I want the word to run and be glorified the same way it did among you, among others. So if it touched you in power, pray that it would do that for others as well. And then he adds, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Paul asks them to pray that he would not be put in prison, not be beaten with rods, not be lacerated again. Isn't that amazing? Paul was quite ready to suffer every day for Jesus, but it wasn't his first choice. We are called to suffer, but we're not called to seek it out. Like, would somebody please hit me in the face? That's not the way we pray or think. We want to be delivered. We'd like to go on witnessing and preaching and having freedom. But if God calls, we're willing to suffer. So he pleaded, and that sure is a warrant for us to pray for the persecuted church, right? Or for anybody who's a Christian coming into danger that they would be delivered and also that they would be sustained if God delivers them into the hand of their adversaries for a season. Philippians chapter 1, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out from my deliverance. Through their prayers, he will be delivered. Delivered in what sense? Consider how he describes it. As, delivered as, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. So this as here means the deliverance will be by life or death. So what kind of deliverance is he wanting? He doesn't say if you deliver, if, if your prayer is answered here, then this won't happen. No, he's saying, I want to be delivered, whether it's in life delivered from unbelief, whether it's in death, delivered from doubting and fear and, and uh, apostasy. I would like to die well and live well. Would you pray that I would be delivered from any failure in life, any failure in death? Isn't that amazing? Paul really believed that the prayers of the people would make a difference in whether he could carry on in life and whether he would die as he ought. It's just amazing. Just think of the power of prayer when you ponder that the apostle is asking like that. Here it is again in Romans 15. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God. Now, for what? That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. So Paul fully expected That prayer could restrain the evil will of unbelievers who would want to attack him and put him in prison and destroy him so that he couldn't finish his ministry. He asked them to pray that he would be delivered from unbelievers. So God is perfectly free and able to influence the wicked minds of people and restrain their evil so they don't destroy his people. He can do that, and he asks them to pray that he would and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints." So you got two issues here. Would you, through your prayers, ask God to influence unbelievers not to uh, oppose me? And would you ask God to make believers uh, approve me, (laughs) make me acceptable to the saints? which means God influences the wills of believers through prayer, and he influences the wills of unbelievers through prayer. So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy. Paul's travel plans, he submitted to prayer over and over again. For example, here's Philemon. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping... That through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. In other words, I'll I'll get there. (laughs) I don't know if I can get there. I'm planning to get there. Would you pray that I would get there? I would like to be refreshed in your presence. Colossians 4 Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word. Open a door for the Word to declare the mystery of. Of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So Paul knows that some cities are a wide door has been opened, and in some cities it is hostile and hardly anything happens. And he submits all that to prayer. Pray for your missionaries today that doors would fly open in ways nobody can imagine and that only God can perform. Ephesians 6, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Pray for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me. Words given to me. Are you kidding me? Paul wrote the Bible, (laughs) and he's asking ordinary Christians to ask God to give him words so that he opens his mouth and that they would pray down boldness for him to proclaim the mystery. I mean, the more I read such things, the more stunned I am about prayer. God runs the universe in mysterious ways through the prayers of his people. Why? Why would he put such a premium on prayer? you also must help us by prayer, so that—why? Many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. The goal of prayer is that many thanksgiving ascend to God because of the prayers of many. Have you ever asked Why why should I ask 10 people to pray for me instead of just one person? Doesn't God answer prayer of one person? Why should I send out an email to 10 people to pray for me? Here's one answer. Because it's the will of God that those 10 people and everybody they recruit and hear about this would give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted through the prayers of many. So Let's sum it up. This is my effort to take all those passages and just name what Paul is praying for or what he wants the Thessalonians to pray for when he says, pray for us. Deliverance from adversaries. That's a prayer that unbelievers would be affected. Arrival at longed-for destination. That would be a prayer that unbelievers who might get in the way of his plans and weather and natural forces. Three, that ministry would be found acceptable by believers. So that's a prayer that believers would be influenced. A door opened for the word, that unbelievers would get out of the way and a door would fly open for the word, that words would be given. Paul's praying, Paul wants prayer for himself that words would come to him when he has an opportunity to preach, that boldness would be imparted again, that Paul himself would be affected directly by prayer. And finally, that the word running and triumphant, running and triumphing in conversions and transformation, and that would be unbelievers for conversion and believers for the transformation. So there is a prayer agenda for you if you don't have one already. That's what Paul wanted the Thessalonians to pray for. And it should make us simply be amazed that all of those glorious things would be the function of ordinary folks crying out to God for his spokesman.